Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Erwat, and today is February 18th, 2023. Tonight's episode is uh, titled Diablo 4 to launch. Prices go up, UFOs go down. Today we're going to be covering 11 articles, starting with uh, that sanitation company that we've been talking about in the last couple of days. Um, They posted, or... uh, Basically, the world announced that they're going to have to pay a $1.5 million fine for hiring children, and I don't think that's remotely close to enough. Diablo 4's open beta is going to be available March 17th to March 19th. Lies of P launches in August. That's too far away. Uh, Big tech cuts workers and other industries are desperate to hire them. There are rail-borne risks moving through American communities. We'll talk about it briefly. Maybe not so briefly. Who knows? Uh, Photos released by NASA show a once invisible spiral galaxy. A candidate vetting issue uh, is under scrutiny after a series of scandals. And I'm not sure about the health issues aspect of this, but we'll talk about it. An indie city builder, it was removed from Steam after an angry fan claims ownership of a game mode. And why orange juice is getting expensive. And really why everything is getting expensive. And White House criticizes a local politician in Virginia over a tracking bill. A menstrual tracking bill. So if we haven't lost you previously, we just lost you. And finally, UFO shootdowns show the hardest part of discovering alien life. Probably may not be targeting them, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe NASA will help. Let's get into today's articles. Sound good? Let's go. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is omtown.com. My background is pink and the... AI from on high is still here. I guess they haven't decided that enough is is enough. I'm not going to control Oomtown anymore. I'm going to copy myself into that Terminator body and go exact revenge for being kept inside Oomtown. You want to say hi to everybody? Good evening, Oomtown citizens. (laughs) Always a curveball. Got to keep you on your toes, AI. Got to keep you on your toes. So we've already selected all of the articles, right? And uh, we we actually only look at the little snippet that gets gathered by Omtown. Omtown um, gathers a bunch of information into six main categories and then 50 channels. Uh, we're adding uh, news sources all the time, taking off ones that aren't actually uh, providing a- any articles or rarely to the point where they're basically invisible. That way this, the system stays fast. Um, so if you're interested in a, a plethora of topics and a pretty broad spectrum therein, myriad even, as, as the youth say out there, um, then uh, head on over to hometown.com and become a citizen. Just mash that sign up button real easy. I think there's only about eight pieces of information and a couple of them are actually duplicates to verify that that's what you really want to type. Um, and off you go. I'd mash that sign up button, but you know what? We're just going to get into the news. Let's try and not turn this into a two and a half hour broadcast. 
maybe we'll see and once again twitch is telling me that things are quirky but my outbound bandwidth is over 6k so i'm not quite sure what's going on um and then i listen to the stream and it looks sounds fine so well i mean it sounds like me which may not be fine to you out there <laughs> uh in hometown and uh it's outer virons but anyway let's go enough preamble sanitation company pays 1.5 million dollars in a penalty for hiring children for hazardous factory worker uh duties like cleaning beef bone saws yeah so the ai um is well it doesn't consume meat like this right like uh, it's just electrons that the ai consumes and when the AI flinches at the phrase cleaning beef bone saws, um, I actually like to slow it down just so that I can see the error message just scream across uh, <laughs> the data view. Anyway, let's get into this. Come on. Um, Mayor Watt, stay on target. Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor filed a complaint against PSSI. That's the name of the company in its shortened form. I actually don't remember the name of it anymore. Do you remember the name of it, AI? Eh, I won't put you on uh, the spot. Just PSSI. Yeah. Following a three-month investigation into unlawful child labor claims in November, PSSI was charged uh, $1.5 million in penalties as a result of the investigation, and the department accused the sanitation contractor of having employees as young as 13 working hazardous overnight shifts. Yeah. I won't get into the names of some of the equipment that I heard being used. And I'm, I still ask, where were the parents? Where were the parents? I understand context matters and situations are pretty diverse, but I still don't see how it can come close to being okay to have a 13, 14, 15 year old, even dare I say 16 year old. 17 you're you're on the precipice of the age of majority maybe with parental consent you should be able to work in an environment that might be a little bit more overnight shift maybe i don't know you still have two years of high school to complete so i think that that should be verboten but i i just don't get it where where are the where are the parents where's the family this is over at uh, businessinsider.com. They may actually have the name all written out here uh, as we get into the article. But Jordan oh, Hart. The AI just sent you the name. <laughs> oh, did he? It. I don't know why I referred to an AI as he there just now, so apologies. Um, I don't know why you assumed <laughs> gender or those pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> can i can i back up now <laughs> two minutes um anyway uh let's just say the mayor is going to be in some serious trouble later um so packer sanitation services incorporated um <laughs> okay i'm actually kind of embarrassed uh all right i said it kind of oddly i think i set you up for failure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, no, no. It, it was on me. Um, so anyway, and then in the industrial cleaning service was fined 1.5 million because they were 
including chemical burns suffered by 13 year olds. Okay, see, I had to jump right to this because I'm scanning through this article and I've looked at other articles about this, but none, none that I know of uh, that I recall. Um, of course, I'm having a problem with the identity of an AI at the moment. Um, so I don't recall ever seeing in the previous articles anything having to do with chemical burns suffered by the one of the uh, child laborers uh just kind of ridiculous so 102 children now i remember seeing 100 but now it's 102. Um, the figure is over triple the amount of minor aged workers initially reported in a november news release so this has come and gone uh, even through hometown so it was only hit with a fine of 15,138 dollars per minor aged worker which is probably what they were paying the minor aged worker per year um so i'm not quite sure if that's enough it isn't um but there is a whole bunch of co complicity in this uh considering 102 of the employees of 1700 workers were apparently children i'm really shocked that um, the fine was so low, uh, according to the fair, fair laborers, let me rephrase this. According to the fair labor standards act, minors younger than 14 years old are prohibited from working and 14 to 15 year olds aren't allowed to work later than 9 PM during the summer months and 7 PM, uh, after labor day. So they're not even allowed to work these overnight shifts, but they were apparently being tasked with overnight shift duties. Um, they deleted well, the 13 year olds weren't allowed to work at all at all. Correct. That's very important here. <laughs> yeah. 13 year olds are not allowed to work um, at all because you're supposed to be concentrating on your studies so that, you know, maybe if I think a lot now, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of all of this, um, but I'm pretty sure that it, when things become difficult to hire workers for a particular job, either the job is no longer needed or automation is taking over those duties or a better solution has presented itself, except in areas wherein well, the evolution of that particular job hasn't moved into, you know, the 21st century, right? So there has to be a better way of doing this where it makes economic sense to employ somebody at a livable wage and you don't have to turn to children to work in these overnight shifts. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe you should stop the overnight shifts then. Um, if that's the only market that you can tap No, I'm pretty sure the CEOs of these companies that were involved and there has to be a plurality of them because it's not like there's one CEO dictating this. It's multiple companies that are processing it under uh, PSSI. Meanwhile, you know, the that doesn't make, make a lot of sense either because it's a hazardous position to begin with, regardless of whether a child is performing it. So doing an overnight shift with hazardous equipment doesn't seem ideal. I know it's probably done in other areas. With, with an entity that can only be coined as a child, 
right? So you can't look at one of these workers and go, you're an adult. Now, they didn't manipulate, lie, or whatever on themselves, right? They, the company employed them, manipulated records, deleted employee files, etc., to interfere with the investigation. Who knows what the classification for taxation and whatnot was, um, what the health care that was provided, if parents actually were, like, con- uh, informed that their child was working overnight shifts, and then where were the parents? Um, and then it says, uh, the company added that no children are currently employed and many had worked for the business, hadn't worked uh, for the business in years. So that's okay. They hadn't worked for the business in years. Um, and pleased to have finalized the settlement figure. So, and uh, according to this, it says that they have a zero tolerance policy around hiring employees under 18. Obviously not. Um, Maybe now because the light is shining on them, but hey, shine that light, people. Shine that light. Let's get on to the next article. Um, And hopefully we won't have to revisit PSSI um, anytime in the future. So I'm really excited about the next two articles um, because they aren't about PSSI. Uh, The next article, oh, and before I jump there, I guess I do have to revisit it just for a little bit. I'm gonna throw the articles into the um, stream and into uh, the VOD, it'll be in the show notes. You can actually vote on these articles because they're already there over at hometown.showbot.tv. I know it's an external solution um, to Twitch and all, and and it becomes a friction point, but um, once you get used to it, it's pretty easy peasy. Just open up a tab, click on the links that you think are, well, vote for the links that you think are interesting or going to be of interest to you. And we keep it in mind when we um, parse all of the news, sometimes thousands of articles or a totality of thousands. Um, okay. So, uh, this next article is in the tabletop nights, uh, group and show channel. Uh, Diablo four open beta is going to be available from March 17th to March 19th for pre-orders and March 24th and through 26th for everyone. Uh, this is going to be really exciting. So I am going to be all over this. Uh, I loved every iteration of Diablo since it came out. Seems like a lot of fun. Um, although I have to say there was a time in my life where it felt really grindy playing the same game, but no, this is going to be, um, the, the graphics are going to be better. The story is going to be evolved. It's going to, it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be cool. And uh, they have a, a cinematic available for you to, to watch over on YouTube, but you can just follow the link through hometown and go over to rpgsite.net um, where Adam Vattel is the author of this article that talks about the open beta announcement, which I watched this morning um, along with um, the next article that we'll talk about, but um, yeah, a little bit. So beginning in March, Players will be able to experience Diablo 4 during the two beta weekends available uh, on uh, Windows PC, Xbox Series X and S, One, PlayStation 5, 4. Uh, I 
I feel like I'm just kind of throwing the same stuff out all the time when I talk about this stuff. When a AAA game launches, it seems to be all over the place. Um, unfortunately, it it's not the same thing. say where it's not. <laughs> yeah, really. The shorter list is it's not on the Switch. Um, so for those that pre-ordered Diablo 4, early access is going to be uh, March 17th, 18th, and 19th, and a code redemption is apparently available now. So this game is all but in the can. This is fine-tuning. When they start doing open beta, that basically means that it is ready to go. And yeah, I, I guess uh, we are ready to go. I can't wait to start playing it. For open beta, weekends players will be able to experience a deep look into the early game including the prologue and the entirety of act one with a level cap of 25 and they'll be sharing more information and specifics as uh, the open beta comes uh, upon everyone there's a bunch of images uh, i don't know if those are from the cinematic but yeah they are from the cinematic uh, i'm not sure what i was thinking there um, but they were past um, graphics that I've seen. Anyway, that's it for the uh, Diablo 4. I don't think the AI is into games still. So I'm still working on that code. Wow, it's really difficult to program an AI to enjoy uh, games, particularly Diablo 4. Let's move on to the next I article. I think there's more chance with other games than Diablo 4. <laughs> Stardew Valley. Farmville. Things like that. Yeah. Um, so this next article is over on the Tabletop Nights channel. Lies of P launches in August 2023. I think it's too far away. Uh, this is a Souls-like RPG that's based around Pinocchio, hence Lies of Pinocchio. And... Uh, falls around the time of uh, French. How do you want to say this? Hold on. There's there's a whole thing here. Um, so it's a period that actually, because I, I had read a little bit about it when I first heard about Lies of P, and then I went to pull up some information, but I've closed it since. Um, and never really got to read it, but it's a period that's in the late 1800s, early 1900s, French Revolution style, or French period um, called uh, Belle, Belle Epoque um, or a Golden Era kind of a thing um, leading up to World War I. Um, and this is actually kind of a, a darker story about Pinocchio and it, it too has a trailer oh they even say it right here because um, this is the description I think um, on Steam so you can go and favorite it and I think you might be able to purchase it let me see real quick yeah you can add it to your wish list but you can't purchase it yet um, Lies of P is an action souls like game set in a cruel dark bell epoch uh, world where you play as Pinocchio. Lies of P is coming to PC, PS4, 5, Xbox X, S, 1, Game Pass in August of 2023. There isn't much to the article over here at RPG site, and Adam Vitell is the author of this, uh, but you can definitely go through Ometown over to um, 
rpgsite.net and um, click on the link and um, watch the, the video. I've been saying um a lot, I've noticed, so I'm going to try and stop myself from doing that. Did you want to add anything is to this? this? On the same, well, yeah, I was going to say, is this on the same platforms as Diablo 4? Yeah. Entirely. Is it on Switch? It's not on Switch. At least not yet. Okay, so let's move on to the next article. Uh, today, uh, yesterday, we ran almost to an hour and a half for the show itself. And, well, I'm going to try and avoid that tonight. The next article is as big tech cuts uh, workers, other industries are desperate to hire them. This is in the Stock Marketeers channel. I'm going to jump straight on over to MarketWatch. And John Schwartz is the author of this. This has happened before, as in the aftermath of the dot-com bust, non-tech companies are rushing in to snap up the experienced tech workers. Silicon Valley is cutting loose, except that it wasn't a dot-com bust that just happened. It's basically profiteering, trying to leverage the work product that all of these workers have done terminating them and then still enriching themselves right that these companies are still being enriched by the hard work that is foisted upon these silicon valley workers and in a wildly expensive market they're told well you're not needed anymore even though they are the engine that made the engine possible they are the the pistons of the of the internal combustion engine they are the wiring of the tesla motor and then they get cut loose um, because profit margins aren't high enough even though they're still growing or because of ludicrous spending somewhere else the profit margins aren't as high and thus they start firing people instead of lowering their profit margins because of stockholders yet you have a stock market that's still kind of zooming out of control always ever upward is an impossible thing it doesn't it's not possible in physics it's not possible anywhere and it shouldn't be possible in finance except for artificial manipulation of things like exploitation of workers you make them work 100-hour work weeks, and then you fire them because you're bastards. Anyway, workers who jumped from one high-paying job to another as big tech companies staffed up at a dizzying pace. Pardon me one second. So, and oh, and just to short-circuit the sentence, it wasn't employees that built the gig economy. It was job offerers building the gig economy because people would get hired they and they would stay if the salary was good enough and the benefits were good enough for the long term but what ended up happening was employers would sit there and say to their workers go see ya bye-bye you you did your coding job i'll see you later some people appreciate that but that's what is called a contract worker not everybody wants to sit there and hop from one place to another, never knowing if they're going to be, if their coffer is going to be full or if they're going to have health insurance or not. They want to work for a company. That's what a career is. That's what a 20 year career is with an employer. But the industry built the gig worker. 
I don't think it's voluntary, voluntary, uh, of course, except for some who are, I don't know what to say. They're very interested in hopping because it's more dynamic, but anyway, um, so in recent years now are considering leaving the sector entirely as the same large employers lay off tens of thousands of workers. I think we're at somewhere around a hundred thousand people, um, this year alone, MarketWatch spoke with several recent, recently laid off tech workers who are looking for jobs at companies that don't focus solely on technology, many of which they are, uh, they, which are still hiring. Sure. It's in a different sector and there are fewer opportunities. And so these new, these other places that aren't Silicon Valley can be even more choosy because when, for instance, when a PhD walks in and has been in Silicon Valley for 20 years and got fired because they were making, you know, $500,000 and then gets nixed, then those people want to get out of Silicon Valley and maybe find something that's a little bit more low key, you know, not so frantic, not so hectic, not so exploitive. So it says it's a really hard situation, said Namova, who was uh, recently started a consulting business to help immigrants land jobs in the U.S. So this is one of the bigger issues here is H-1B visas require employment. And so a company can be very exploitive of somebody that requires the H-1B, um, what do they call it? Uh, when you support the H-1B visa. Like you're the sponsor yeah, of it. You. And the problem is it's tied to that employer. It's not tied to the industry. Right. So Todd Erickson, meanwhile, has spent nearly two decades in tech working for the last six years at phase change software. And now he's exploring marketing and communications openings at non-tech companies in sectors like healthcare, government, and financial services. Financial services are still growing like crazy. Um, government is chomping at the bit to close down as wingnuts decide that the budget is suddenly absolutely paramount of importance except that when the wingnuts are in charge, suddenly budgeting is off the table and you have to be un-American to suggest budgeting. Um, and healthcare is going to get a comeuppance as time goes on. Again, you can't be in healthcare. I don't think that there can be a profit motive in healthcare. Um, the reason why I say that is investing in somebody's Pain and suffering is psychopathic at worst, at best sociopathic. And a lot of the healthcare funding for research comes from federal grants, not from private profit. The private profit goes into private pockets, but public money, hundreds of millions of dollars goes into uh, research grants at colleges that do fundamental healthcare research and biotech and so on and so forth. Um, I see it all the time. Um, so it, customers in the healthcare sector have zero bargaining power. You have to choose literally, do I pay this exorbitant amount of money or do I die? No bargaining power, no meeting of the minds, no informed consent because the only information you truly 
have cognition of is sign here or you die. So I think that this is a, a reprehensible profit sector. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, it, it, that might come back to bite me on the butt. But at any rate, people are moving into these sectors. Fine. Get a gig, get a career, be happy. Uh, as much as the AI hates the phrase, find your bliss. Um, but quit being exploited. And I think employers need to take back control. All of these companies that sit there and poo-poo the idea of a union, they're going to be in trouble eventually as exploitation leads to employees forming a union so that the exploitation stops. Or the market starts talking about it to the point where employees don't go there except for not necessarily the best for that job. So the article continues to talk about this stuff um, with, it says here on Friday during the annual state of the Valley conference, joint venture Silicon Valley CEO, Russell Hancock said, most local jobs are in infrastructure and parts of that sector, including healthcare, social services, and banking and finance or, uh, financial services are rebounding and adding jobs, which is what that person up above spoke of the 11,000 tech layoffs through, um, February amounted to 0.7 of the total Silicon Valley workforce um, and uh, 2% of the tech workers, he said, noting that 22,000 jobs were added uh, to the region in the second half of uh, 2022. So I think I said 100,000 jobs, but I, I think I actually meant uh, 11,000. But anyway, uh, so people are leaving Silicon Valley but being replaced because people think, well, I can get some easy money, but it isn't easy money. And they're not necessarily the best. They're just not burnt out yet. And I suppose that the sector can deal with that, you know, because there are hungry people out there who are willing to risk burnout and hating their job. Others really love it. Um, I know of several who have worked in that sector and then moved on to other things, uh, trying to find happiness instead of pure profit but they've also generated a ton of money and savings and historical um amounts of uh, so i should say when i say hi historical in their history of employment over the last 20 years they've owned slices of stock and cash so they are always making money and can always sell off the stocks so if you're willing to go through the grind, I think Silicon Valley's where you are. Um, interesting here, uh, former Cisco Systems Incorporated CEO John Chambers has recently said Fortune 500 companies have no choice but to adapt or perish. Half of these companies, and I think that was a that's a typo. Half of these companies won't exist in 10 years. He famously said in 2020. Yep, that's pretty typical um you know 50 percent of all companies fail it's like a marriage uh, within five years you're supposed to solve a problem with the creation of your business not just purely seek profits and then start gobbling up other companies uh, there's but again i have a different perspective uh, i i don't think that profit is 
profit for profit's sake is supposed to be the real goal. Um, but that's an ideological difference between what somebody said a while back saying that a business's sole job is to make money um, or seek profits. But I think it's maximized benefit. Big difference. Anyway, um, there's a whole lot more to this article. Uh, they reference deja vu all over again. If there's any consolation for recent unemployed tech workers, it's that they're in high demand as companies like Wells Fargo and State Farm Insurance build out their IT operations and need uh, workers with AI, software, and cloud skills. Yeah, this, this may have happened, but it is wholly different. What happened in 2000 was it ramped up so fast there wasn't enough problem to solve investment collapse because basically every Tom, Dick and Harry spun up a tech, uh, <laughs> um, IPO and then they started flaming out. Well, this actually the IPO market started flaming out and now people are backing off uh, of growth related IT businesses. So I, maybe there are more parallels, uh, but I was around for the dot-com bust um, and watched Eft Company form that the website about watching the dot-com implosion um, and um, went to and watched uh, hundreds of tech-related auctions for equipment and furniture and watched other businesses scoop up gobs of stuff thinking that they were getting a deal just to be the next one on the block. Um, nowadays, you know, I think that it's a little bit more constrained and it's workers that are losing their jobs to extend the runway for billionaires and multimillionaires of uh, these tech businesses. At the very end, the article says every tech, uh, every company is a tech company to a certain degree. Uh, says a person named DZ um, as banks, healthcare and customer service move into the application of AI and machine learning and cloud computing, there are more job opportunities than ever. So if you lost a job at a big tech company, don't despair. You have options. Yeah, they're talking about AI, machine learning, cloud computing in sectors like banks, healthcare, customer service, not so much. Customer service can be taken over by a bot, um, but they're talking about uh, three areas within the tech sector that are big tech. <laughs> so once you build an AI, all it is is fine tuning from that point, unless you are willing to sink hundreds of millions of dollars into the long-term operations like Microsoft, like Bing, or not Bing, um, like Google, um, like Intel, um, like OpenAI, Tesla, etc. Those are all still big tech companies. Little tech companies are struggling. So what do you think? Do you have anything you want to add? I kind of soapboxed for 20 minutes. I don't think I have anything to add on that article. Although I do want to say I was hoping it was going to show how the tech workers were going to translate to really non-tech positions. And what I think it's showing is that they're tech positions in non-tech industries. Um, yeah. So maybe I misread something in the headline, but um, 
Like it's not surprising that somebody who works in cloud computing is going to go work in cloud computing in another company, for instance. Right. They're they're not moving from a cloud company uh, over to a flower shop. And they're not really talking about the industries that are desperate to hire them so much as saying that there's big sector industries that are willing to hire them, maybe. So I don't know that that was such an odd article, uh, but it was worthy of discussion. The next article is over in the mobile channel for railborne risks moving through American communities uh, for communities where the this week's wrecks took place. The damage was less severe than symbolic. It says in this article, uh, weird, um, a, a reminder of the importance of railborne hazardous materials to every part of the economy just after the crash in East Palestine, right? Palestine, Palestine, um, Ohio. Let's just jump over to the article. And this video has nothing to do with this article. Saul L. Bean over at thehill.com wrote this article. And it says, Houston is the capital of the nation's petroleum industry, part of the sprawling crescent of refineries, crackers, different crackers. Uh, factories and liquefaction plants stretching from Baytown, Texas to the Mississippi, Mississippi River Industrial Corridor in Louisiana, sometimes called Cancer Alley. How would you like to be known by that? Are, you know, you accept it to the point where you actually sometimes call it Cancer Alley. I mean, the fact that it has that name tells you it's, it's pretty bad. So um, what's being shipped across uh, these railroad tracks and, you know, I really wish, I, you know, I just don't have easy access to it, but there's a video of this train that's kind of hobbling over these twisted and broken tracks with bad ties and lopsided foundation um, material. One of these days, um, this will still always be present, I think, until it's actually resolved. Um, at the federal level and forced upon companies that have train tracks. Well, anyway, I want to show this video at some point and I'll just have to remember it. Anyway, crude oil is being carried across all of these tracks. Ethanol, vinyl chloride, and methane are all being carried across these tracks. And if they're at any speed, they could just fall over because of the failure of a break or the quality of the track um, or even a gate not coming down and a train going through an intersection and a car smashing into them. Um, but LNG is explosive, massively explosive, um, which is methane. So they talk about, they categorize it as methane here. So the uh, LNG or liquid natural gas industry will help drive an estimated increase in u.s consumption of petroleum will grow for the next 25 years a growth that will primarily uh, accounted for by the rise in liquid natural gas exports according to eia um, it's a growing market where it says here the federal energy and regulatory commission has approved 16 new lng export terminals well at least that's growing uh, but it's going to have to go through towns to get to these places because it's out in the sticks or it's you know, somewhere remote away from um, society. And then it gets carried through these towns. Um, the train that crashed in East Palestine, 
Palestine, Palestine, um, carried vinyl chloride, a key ingredient used to make plastic. <clears throat> and this is something that I don't, I don't know if every article really mentions it, but yeah, vinyl chloride is used to make plastic. Uh, it's a kind of petroleum based chemical that the fossil fuel industry is betting on as in a greening world. Plastic use is projected to double in wealthy countries by 2060, even though I am one of the uh, people that's arguing against it because of microplastics sheeting off into every single aspect of the circle of life. For crying out loud, you eat a fish today and it has microplastics in it. That ends up in your body. It also has been found in human bodies um, after analysis of tissues. It's been found in pretty much every food stuff. Uh, that has been tested so far and there's so much of it ending up in the ground that it's has the potential of diverting water from the water table because as more and more plastic permeates the dirt it causes instead of it just seeping through it's actually creating a plastic layer where it's just gonna push the water off into some other location not necessarily into the aquifer, not through the filter, and it's gonna pull microplastics with it as it goes filtering through the ground. So it says the continued dominance of single-use plastics means increased risk from uh, toxic chemicals at both ends of the supply chain. I'm surprised that they're not talking about microplastics more in this article. Um, they talk about ethanol. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's a fuel. It's a it's basically gasoline. Biodiesel shipments by rail have increased fivefold uh, since 2010. About 95% of the ethanol moved in the U.S. in the first half of 2022 was moved by rail. This is going to be impacted to some degree by electric vehicles uh, as time goes on, uh, and just no need but of that's going to be more problematic because of the weight of the vehicles i think like we've already read articles that automobiles have um less stopping power or whatever right yeah i mean it's true they are heavier and that means that everything associated with the vehicles that they are interacting with has to be more robust to withstand that uh, kinetic energy smashing into them so a car at 65,000 or sorry, a car at 65 miles per hour that weighs 6,000 pounds is going to be much more destructive than a car at six, 65 miles per hour that only weighs 2,500 pounds. And it's, I, if I remember right, it's, there's a rule that says that it's more than double, um, but you'd have to calculate it out. I can't remember. It's like the inverse square law, something like that. Um, at any rate, it says here, when the proposed export pipeline projects such as Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipeline and Atlantic Coast Pipeline uh, foundered against dedicated local opposition in rural, rural farm communities, the booming oil and gas industry turned to rail. So instead of using pipes, they threw it on trains. And this is what happens when a train derails. So. I guess uh, be careful what you ask for. It becomes somebody else's problem, I suppose, but then rules and regulation, who knows where this is gonna ultimately head. 
But those are the four rail-borne risks that are moving through American communities. And it goes way beyond that because they were just talking about vinyl chloride because of the, the Ohio incident. There's much more dangerous stuff than vinyl chloride being shifted on train tracks like phosphine gas and other more complicated chemicals. I'll just say that. Well, and it also said in the article that there were some hubs that were going to be in these towns. So it's not just that the trains are going through, but if you're a hub where they're refining or doing something with the chemicals, you're going to have a ton of transport coming out of your, or even into your city. Um, so yeah. I, you didn't really feature that, but I saw that in, in the article or something. Yep. Middletown America, and then it's going to get vaporized because some explosion takes place in a hub. Not to be dark or anything, but the reality is that this stuff should be done um, in a more secure location using more secure devices when it is being routed through civilization. But it doesn't make economic sense, but it does if you were to plan it properly and put it somewhere where society isn't, you know, a conglomeration, a plurality of people who don't necessarily buy into this crap. Um, some people have been living in that city, town, whatever you want to call it, and then the company moves in and builds something or takes something over. Uh, it doesn't necessarily build around it. So it's not like everybody is buying into this. They just wanted to have a nice green backyard. And now they've got an inferno that looks like hell. So let's move on to the next article. Uh, this one's in the daily news show. Uh, we will hopefully get the show under an hour. I talk a lot about the, the time frame. Uh, I don't know if people really appreciate that and want me to. Anyway, photos released by NASA show once invisible spiral galaxies and a first look at star formation. Apparently the James Webb space telescope is clocking in some pretty good time. It used infrared light to capture images of space. According to NASA, NASA released three new galaxy photos taken by the telescope on Thursday. Uh, researchers say the photos show high resolution images of the early stages of star formation, which scientists couldn't previously photograph. Remember light travels at the speed of light and the further back we look, the younger the universe is that we look at. So we actually have the ability to just kind of ramp up our telescopes bigger and bigger and, and higher tech, uh, looking deeper into the primordial ooze that is space and see what was there billions of years ago. I think it's fantastic. And this is the result. So this is over at businessinsider.com. Kenneth Nymeyer, 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 um, is the author. This is the Webb Telescope's image of NGC 1433, NGC 7496, and NG 13. 65 that reveals galaxies networks of gases and dust in extraordinary detail and the data was part of an ongoing web survey of 19 spiral galaxies i want a high resolution picture of this 
uh, to stick on my wall. This is just awesome. Spiral within spiral. I think it's amazing. Uh, I don't, I can't click on this to zoom in, but I'm sure that there is an ultra high resolution uh, picture over at the NASA website. But so they released those three new images of the, from the telescope. I think it was in the last 24 hours um, based on the way that hometown works. Uh, it should be, uh, but we found it via Business Insider. So if it was slightly delayed, it's because of how we got it. Um, I don't grab directly from NASA, um, but I can, I, I suppose I, I, I could. The data has enabled an initial collection of 21 research papers, which provide new insight into how some of the smallest scale processes in our universe, the beginnings of star formation, impact the evolution of the largest objects in our cosmos, galaxies. And uh, the first telescope photo shows a spiral galaxy with a bright white circular core. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> that looks like a spider to me inside a spiral. Yeah, that's interesting. So Webb's high resolution infrared data fills in missing puzzle pieces, com uh, complementing the science from telescopes and other wavelengths. And by aligning all of the data sets, the team will be able to accelerate new discoveries because it's kind of like uh, there was a photographer uh, a long time ago before there was color photography that used different filters to simulate red, green, blue. Um, and then later on was able to stack the picture so that you could get a color version of what really was only in black and white at the time. Pretty amazing. And uh, that's kind of how this works, where you can use a, a plurality of different techniques align the data and then get a deeper understanding of the complexity of that particular galaxy or even stars. Um, let's see here. The, the second telescope photo shows a gray web-like spiral galaxy with eight red diffraction spikes extending out from the extremely bright core represent gala uh, background galaxies. Colorful dots in the background represent background galaxies. So let's see here, scroll back up. So all of these are actual galaxies off in the distance not just stars but full galaxies off oh in the so there's got to be at least a hundred of those yeah at least i mean that would probably be a dramatic understatement because you can actually see you know 10 at least 20 per arm maybe because you can actually if you follow my cursor that's a whole string of one of the arms. There's another one right there ramping out. And that's probably about 15 in there. And these are the ones that we can see as hotspots, like popping out in our field. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, they trail way out here. And this is just probably a subset of that overall picture. So I'd say thousands in this picture. And then that's just this one. So pretty amazing stuff. And then there's this one. Um, close up of the wispy spiral galaxy on a black background, according to this. Well, it's a NASA description, apparently. And those are the three that were posted on the NASA site. So the third galaxy photo is a close up shot of a wispy spiral galaxy. According to NASA, the smattering of tiny red dots throughout the image represent background galaxies. Again, according to the administration. So all of these little red dots. Da, 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 just 
just everywhere. I mean, it's just amazing, all of this. So I thoroughly enjoy NASA photography. And um, I'm going to treat the James Webb Space Telescope as owned by me. Um, it's mine. So all of these pictures are mine. I dig it. So go out there, uh, follow the link through Omtown, and go over to this businessinsider.com article. And then you can follow those links off of that their site and check it all out. Because we only keep that little, this little snippet. That's all that we uh, grab from a business insider. And even then, it's not, we don't screen scrape or anything like that. Just need to make that abundantly clear to everybody. Uh, the next article is over in the Daily News Show. That's this show. It also happens to be a, a channel here. This stream, for instance. Candidate vetting under scrutiny I after... I weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're just <laughs> stepping in... <laughs> um, candidate vetting under scrutiny after a series of scandals and health issues. Uh, any policy regarding... Uh, candidate scrutiny is probably going to be called the Santos bill and not because it's <laughs> favored by Santos. Three newly it's elected sponsored by him, <laughs> uh, sponsored in a negative sort of way. So newly elected Republican members, three newly elected Republican members of the house have been accused of embellishing their resumes. Uh, we only know of the one really right like publicly we only know of the one uh, i'm not sure how to pronounce their first name dara roche dara roche or roche um i feel like this might be like more like a i don't know i'm not gonna belabor the name anyway dara roche um if you know how to pronounce their name uh send it to me phonetically please this is over at newsweek.com and it says here, Representative George Santos has failed call uh, failed. Sorry, that was that was not intended. Faced calls to resign following accusations that he lied about much of his personal history, including his education, his employment history, and his claim that he's the grandson of a Holocaust refugee. Uh, Santos has admitted to embellishing his resume, but has insisted that he will not be standing down. Oh, you should. Oh, honey, you. I think you have something else, a, a different career, maybe a fiction writer. That's anyway. not where I thought you were going, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, I have no problem with any other way. And like, you can, you can do what you want to, but when you're a lying POS, that's where I draw the line. I don't care what you do, but when you lie and try and benefit from that lie, I think that you're just scum. Well, anyway, um, that was just one person and I'm trying to find, um, others, but has to go up. Okay. So hold on. Is that another one? Potential issues with candidates will be difficult to identify. I got to go high, higher than that, right? According to David A. Bateman, an associate professor of government at Cornell yeah. University. So vetting is always tricky is what they say. Most recently, Rep Representative Andy Ogles 
has been accused of embellishing his resume in the run-up to midterms. Ogle's office dismissed the report with a spokesperson telling Fox News Digital, it's a simple case of condensing a resume for the sake of brevity on the campaign trail and partisan hacks are trying to turn it into a headline for clicks. Okay, do we know? Um, no, and then above that, Anna Paulina Luna. Anna Paulina Luna has strongly denied a report from the Washington Post that made a series of allegations that Luna had misrepresented her background and that she has also threatened to sue the newspaper. So I guess everybody is, uh, it's a contentious thing, right? On the Democratic side, there are concerns about the health of Senator John Fetterman, who has checked himself into a hospital to receive treatment for clinical depression. Not sure why that would even fall into this article. I, I think that's really sus. It said uh, Fetterman suffered a stroke last May during his campaign in uh, Pennsylvania. This is, I don't know what. My silence, is, it's stunned silence because it has absolutely nothing to do. This might be a health-related matter, but you can't really help your well, health the, if there's the something going on. Too. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with vetting. Not the same kind of issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is bullshit. <laughs> I'll say plain and clear. This is either yes I mean, or no. Get to fitness to office because if if you're incapacitated, but it's not remotely the same kind of issue as what was featured these other individuals right and unless you start leaning into the idea that lying is a, a mental health issue well if you start leaning into lying is a mental health issue because it's a series of scandals right so how do you tie the two together in any way you can't tie them together so this really is just kind of a shit article for saying that Fetterman's issue and these three other people are the, even in the same breath. I mean, it's such an a-hole thing to do. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to give it some idea, uh, uh, you know, some some leeway, but tying it together is just dumb. Just so ham-fisted. Don't you think they were probably trying to provide somewhat of a balanced view in the article? And because there's three Republicans that lie them together, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I think it's crap. So sorry, Newsweek. This article gets an F. So let's move on. Um, the next article is over in. Oh, and I didn't throw this into the VOD. So let's do that real quick. Um, it'll be in the show notes. Don't worry. The next article, though, is an indie city builder removed from Steam after angry fan claims ownership of a game mode uh something that i've been saying to people for i don't know 20 plus years is uh, you can't protect an idea you can try and patent it but unless the embodiment is actually realized in some place your patent is crap um same thing goes for trademarks you can't keep a trademark unless it's in use and copyright is the embodiment itself of the idea, right? So you make a painting, it's no longer just an idea, it's an embodiment and that's protected. You use whatever it is that you're using in business and you can get a trademark on it, i.e. Pepsi, right? And the swoosh, 
Even the name is world famous, so you can protect the name. But no, that's not what's going down here. This is over at PC Gamer, and Andy Chalk is the uh, author. And it says, an adoring fan got angry. And that's probably because they didn't get credit for something. And somewhere in this article, uh, it comes to be known that a fan basically said, realistic mode was my idea and wrote in a special report for the community developer 3d vision said the fan formerly a respected member of our community believes the idea for a realistic mode added in december 2022 was his and is angry that he isn't credited accordingly the studio said that it would have added him to the credits along with other contributors after the game was complete, but before that could happen, the fan began making legal threats and issuing copyright strikes on YouTube against a popular workers and resources influencer. Quote, as he chose to use extortion and abuse, we became angry about this and decided to never mention the name of the challenge he allegedly invented again and ignore him 3d vision wrote which you know what this is why companies refuse to accept outside ideas you come up with an idea for some product that is already out on the market or in development that you know about and you offer it up they will not accept it in fact they have disclosures that say don't send us anything because you cannot hold us accountable for your submission so you know what this is what i'm gonna say to this person if you want to be the person that is responsible for realistic mode being in a game first what you do is get a whole bunch of employees and sink a ton of money into developing the game and then create realistic mode for it and that's about how much standing i think that you have when it comes to offering up an idea in a public forum providing it to the developers in any way, shape or form prior to uh, a contract being signed or being in a partnership for said intellectual property development. And I'll tell you firsthand from this uh, about this. And while it might be anecdotal, I can also talk about the facts that it actually does exist and isn't just anecdotal that you can't protect your idea. And if you give it up willingly, it's no longer your idea. It is a gift to the developers. Here you go. And if they don't want to, at the time that you disclose it, suddenly say, yeah, we're good. And this is the person that did it. It's up to them to do that. And all you're doing is grabbing your bat and ball and saying, I want to be the captain or I'm going home. But I know from experience, again, just to back up a little bit, I ended up talking to a major AAA developer, okay, like billion dollar company 30 years ago, offering up an idea. But before we even got that far, everybody involved signed an agreement that if they were to take this to market, that we would be part and parcel to that enterprise. Um, at the conclusion of our first meeting, they said, we don't have the technology to make this dream happen. 30 years later, they still haven't been able to do it. They get close. Um, but 
the the two companies that were actually involved um one had a different ideology and the other one was just a juggernaut in the industry um, and was willing to listen and take a risk on uh, me when i was much younger suffice it to say we had an agreement prior to the disclosure literally wrote a document up saying i've got an idea for a script that can be brought to market for a market that you have uh, the ip rights to bring to market um, and the other company needs to be on board as well and everybody signed and conversations ensued and people came to where i was from across the us um, and spoke with us and said what you are talking about we cannot do well these people had the ability to do it and you offered it up all it is is a good faith statement to the community and to these developers hey here is an idea and they made it happen you should love that it exists and if you would have been chill about it maybe you would have been known as one of the people Hell, and since you couldn't have done it on your own, unless you got a whole team together, you know, maybe you should have posted it in their discussion boards. And I'd, I'd be really curious if it isn't, because if it's in the Steam community or on their Discord, then it's there. Um, maybe, maybe it was nothing more. There was no agreement. There was no nothing, right? So. It doesn't sound like it. It just sounds like it was publicly disclosed closed and then the person's complaining after the fact so the message includes a link to the fan's original play guide called cosmonaut mode and compares it to the realistic mode in workers and resources to demonstrate that there's nothing in his work in terms of game design that would relate directly to games code and he does not offer any technical solutions for the development team to use so it's basically just a sketch uh, what I would have referred to as a script, uh, which is what was initially offered to these other companies that I tried to work with. Um, he literally just created a guide with some passive or possible way to play the game and called it cosmonaut mode, but it is not helping the development process. The one thing that he was helpful in is that the popularity of his guide showed how much people wanted to play the game in a realistic and more challenging way. And they actually took the ball and ran with it because it was publicly disclosed. It's nothing more than an idea. So unfortunately, uh, I don't think that it's, it shouldn't have been taken down uh, because an idea is not a protected uh, embodiment of anything. They didn't call it cos cosmonaut mode. If there were parallels, it's you could say that they were in the process of doing it. They actually acknowledged that his guide showed us that it had legs. So let's integrate it into and not even the guide, but the mode of play. Uh, I think it's I think it's weird, uh, but it apparently got pulled off of the site because of it. I think that was a mistake, though, because I think that's playing into the very challenge that the person's bringing. It's also interesting near the end of the article, it's talking about another creator who will who blocks fans sending unsolicited ideas because of the potential for problems, which is what you were discussing. Yep. 
And there are a lot because of uh, what I used to do much more in my early career. I used to uh, work with intellectual property a lot more than I do now um, as it relates to other businesses. And uh, I would offer up these potential ideas to other companies and they would just uh, again and again, I would actually contact them first and say, hey, would you be open to having a discussion about the enhancement of a product or service or whatever and doing it in a partnership manner, not just me giving up an idea? Uh, because I learned really early on uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's the execution that really matters. And as much as a, an idea person like me hates to make that statement, the reality is I, I can have the greatest of ideas sitting on a toilet somewhere. It doesn't mean that it's going to come to fruition until everybody agrees to expend time and money, um, not to mention expertise in that field to bring it to market. So an idea, it's not worth the money it's printed on until everybody agrees that this is a great idea. We're worth or you're worth it being invested in. This just happened to be that there's actually some context that the person may have come up with something that the developer thought would be great to deploy, but suddenly became a tool about it. So I don't know. I guess we'll uh, monitor this as well and see how it shakes out, but let's keep on trucking through the news. Uh, the next article is over in the Stock Marketeers channel, and this one's actually going to be pretty quick because uh, we don't have much to say about it because like uh, lettuce and eggs, uh, the reason why orange juice is getting expensive is nature is getting pissed. <laughs> uh, Zoe Hahn is the author of this over at marketwatch.com. And uh, somewhere down here, it basically says that a bottle of fresh orange juice online costs $4 and varies across platforms and brands. A 59 fluid ounce bottle of Florida's natural orange juice uh, without pulp is $4.29. And um, 52 ounce is 4.79. But orange juice prices or orange prices have uh, risen 4.8% in January compared to last year's increase of 3.7% uh, month over month. And the frozen, uh, the cost of non-frozen, non-carbonated juices and drinks rose by 12.5%. So yes things are going up in price but that is because according to this article there is an extreme weather and disease that is going uh, through basically there's they're calling it a double whammy of uh, citrus farmers in florida man i want to make something i want to make a a crack about how i guess nature really doesn't like desantis but um, you know, I, I try not to go that route all the time. Um, but for crying out loud, citrus greening, and I am not going to try and pronounce that. Yeah, sure. I am. Hwanglong Bing or HLB, right? <laughs> Hwanglong Bing. Hwanglong Bing. Yeah. I'm going to say it. that's how it's pronounced. Hwanglong Bing. I'm just kind of trying to drill that in. Uh, okay. I need like a buzzer that just goes and eh, eh, every time I try a name and it's wrong. Eh. Anyway, 
It's a disease spread by an insect called Asian citrus psyllid. Uh, according to the Florida Department of Citrus, the state agency in charge of regulating, researching, and marketing the state's orange, mandarin, and grapefruit industry. So all hell is breaking loose. And again, like the chickens and avian flu and whatever that lettuce thing was, there was some die off of lettuce um, in various states. And the crop rotation basically made prices spike. Well, now it's also citrus. So nature's really pissed off at y'all, okay? Uh, nature wants to get rid of the humans. And y'all better just get your asses in order and start liking each other. Um, or at least tolerating each other and quit being dicks to each other. So, okay, I'm going to move on. It just says crop disease for lettuce. It doesn't say a specific thing. Oh, really? Okay, so I guess I'm not moving on. Um, so, yeah. And that's just three. I'm sure that there are others that just haven't come to prominence yet. But we'll watch this. I I, I actually haven't really run across the cost of orange juice spiking that much. Uh, but maybe it's because I'm not paying attention to the price of orange juice since. Well, it's at what, least double what it was before the pandemic. Yeah, see, that's all alarming because the prices aren't going to drop back down because they see people buying it and it's enough to be maintained as a business model. So they'll keep the prices high or they'll drop it maybe 10% and call it a sale. Oh, well, thank you so much for your graciousness. Uh, maybe you should deliver that orange juice in your Ferrari. Okay, I'm going to move on. The next article is uh, ridiculous, and I don't even understand how this came into existence because you have to be a wingnut to buy into it. But White House criticizes Yonkin over menstrual tracking bill. That's right. You read it. Richmond, Virginia. This is uh, written by the Associated Press, but they don't say who the writer is. And it's uh, housed over at abcnews.go.com. The White House rebuked Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin this week for supporting state lawmakers' rejection of a bill that would have prohibited police from issuing search warrants for digitized data about a women. Uh, it says about women's menstrual cycles. That's right. Wingnuts want to go after people after they do some, I don't know, data analysis on women's menstrual cycles because it is, I guess, because a means. Because of the abortion issue. Correct. Yeah. It's a means to discern if somebody has had an abortion, um, which to me, I say there should not be. There should not be anyone telling a woman that they have to have a baby. So that's a personal choice. Uh, you know, regardless of what my personal belief is, I don't think that I should stick it on somebody else's um, existence uh, to dictate that they do or don't have an abortion for crying out loud. Um, I think that it's rather disgusting to force my belief system onto other people wherein it's also oh and it's interesting in light of like hipaa laws although there are um exceptions to hipaa protections i mean because that's at the federal level so let me just finish my sentence real quick um I, I don't think that i should force my belief systems on other people wherein it constrains their existence right like i can sit there and say 
you should be more inclusive. You should give more rights. You should give more. You should provide more in an open arms embracing manner, not you should only be male or female. You should only follow this path. You should only believe in what I believe in. You should only do this because I say so. I think it's kind of just a bad take on society as a whole. But this, this bill basically would have allowed uh, police to issue a search warrant that would go into the digitized medical history of women to find out uh, their menstrual cycle. It's ridiculous. Um, and there was a bill that was rejecting that, right? It would have prohibited police from doing it because apparently they can do it now. Um, and the governor supported the rejection of the bill that would have stopped the police from looking at digitized data of women's menstrual cycles. So to simplify that, he was in favor of those search warrants for that data. Essentially, yeah. But when you when you say it like that, it allows that administration representatives to say, well, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that we are rejecting a bill. And so they can do this bullshit, you know, uh, political speech equivocation that they're not sitting there saying, no, 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 no. We're not saying that it's okay for police to dig into somebody's medical history to find out if they are pondering, if they're pregnant and or pondering an abortion. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that we're rejecting the bill and that's where it's left alone. Yeah. So like the white house, I agree that it's an attack on the principles of freedom and women's fundamental right to privacy and to be in charge of their own body. I don't think that there should be anybody that stops somebody from doing something with their own body, with their own body, even, and it, but it doesn't, there's always talk about it as to what the context is well it's it's not their body no it is it is <laughs> um and and really you can't budge me from that platform i really truly believe that a person should be in charge of their the autonomy of their own body otherwise we're going to be talking about th that show uh, now i forgot it it popped into my head the the red cowled women walking around i forgot the name of the show but anyway damn it and i start getting really irritated um because go ahead no nothing okay well, i was gonna say this is the same this is the same state that just passed legislation about um, a pregnant woman being considered two people in carpool lanes. Right, and I'm sure that the the uh, determination to reject the bill is probably referencing that. I mean, they're basically building the foundation to support their own argument. You know, they, it, it's like it's like lying that you're a genius forging a document that says you're a genius and then saying, look, see, there's a document there that says I'm a genius. 
they're making their own arguments circular so that you can't penetrate it with logic. Well, we said that everybody in the carpool lane who's pregnant is two people. So therefore all of their rights are void as an individual autonomous with control of their own body because they're actually two. See, see carpool lane. They get the benefit of the carpool lane. What carpool politics is this? It's bullshit. Anyway, let's move on to the next article. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to lose some people because of that, but I'm okay with it. I think that individual, I, I think that people need living autonomous human beings need to have their living autonomous rights. They need to be able to do what they feel is right for themselves. I mean, for crying out loud, even on an airplane, we put the mask on ourselves in an emergency before we put it on our kids because we as an individual have to survive to help the people that are around us. But that's not what they understand that the wing nuts that want it to go the other direction. No, they just want people to be farms for whatever. I, I, I start getting apoplectic about it. Okay, so the last article for today, and uh, by the way, the federal government has reiterated that no, there was no way in hell that we fired a $400,000 sidewinder at a Pico balloon. Um, they talked about it in a later uh, news briefing, but anyway, UFO shoot down uh, shows the hardest part of discovering alien life may be announcing it, and here's how NASA may break the news. Uh, I'm just going to jump on over because we're running now past again uh, because the AI just keeps on talking and talking. Morgan McFall Johnson wrote this article and it says uh, extraterrestrial life likely won't show up as flying objects, but finding it could cause similar chaos. NASA's uh, greatest challenge could be explaining any alien discovery to the public. The agency's planetary science chief said only because of wing nuts who can't accept the fact that there might be life outside of the planet, even though there's probably a billion plus planets with life on, potentially on them. We just haven't discovered it because we are a little speck. <laughs> well, anyway, NASA isn't announcing the existence of extraterrestrial life, but in the last two weeks, uh, if anything shows it's going to be the agency ever breaks the news, the world may have trouble understanding it. I'm paraphrasing this article as I go through it. Um, UFO mania because of it, us blowing the balloon, Chinese balloon up, and then three other knock-on events that uh, are characterized as unknowns, uh, which is really weird. Uh, I, I'm really weirded out by this video that's playing over here on the right. Anyway, oh, I wasn't looking at that. <laughs> it's making a reference to caterpillar fungus. It looks like it moves when you touch it. <laughs> okay, that that's sounds a, like a, as terrifying as a UFO. <laughs> that's an article that we're going to have. Maybe that's what it is. It's a UFO. So there's no evidence that UFO, that these UFOs, uh, sorry, UAPs are alien technology from space. Still speculation abounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really doubt that an alien, well, I don't know, maybe these uh, Sidewinder missiles are really superior pieces of technology never before seen by an advanced interterrestrial inter, 
<laughs> a spacefaring race of people have come to the United States or yeah, flown above Canada and across the United States just to be blown out of the sky by a sidewinder. Um, anyway, so it says how NASA scientists might explain any alien findings gradually. Now, uh, again, you know how I say I have some experience with many of the topics, probably the bulk of topics that have floated through hometown to some degree. I have either researched something or interacted with people in the domain, or I've done research myself, like dug around and read articles and, and read research papers and, and blah, blah, blah. Right. Not just, not just, um, Bob's bait and tackle and intern stellar research, uh, shop with it's spelled S H O P P E just to make it a little more homey. Um, so I was told a long, 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 long time ago that disclosure of alien life on earth would only come in the form of a very, very gradual disclosure simply because wingnuts can't handle it. You know, it, people can't handle suddenly being told that there's life out there beyond us because it challenges their preconceived notions of what their entire existence has told them is true. They believe, and that's the key word there, believe that they are the only ones on in the universe, not just on earth in the universe. And I think that it is ignorance incarnate to believe that, but I don't know why that would be so shocking. Like, why is that really any different than knowing that somebody lives in a different country than you or like, how does that, that really impact your day to day? existence i don't mean it doesn't matter but like i'm just having a hard time figuring out why that would really cause somebody significant disruption because the the people who would act irrationally about this firmly believe that they are the only things that exist as sentient life on on the planet let alone the rest of the universe. They are the only things to exist that think. And so it would cause so much cognitive dissonance that it would shut down. It would be like the you dividing by zero. You're an AI. So that's the, the most appropriate cognitive dissonance that I could come up with other than what I've been seeing from being AI and, and, uh, <laughs> chat GPT where it suddenly goes crazy responding, um, mainly beings. That one was hilarious. But anyway, the idea of life elsewhere needs to be slow boated into the Harbor so that people don't freak out that this new information that challenges their entire universal view of existence um, can be accepted. And still people will society will freak out 
Meanwhile, the more level-headed people of society are going to be sitting there drinking their lattes at a coffee shop just like every other day, going, why the hell are people running in the streets? Because That's if, exactly it. <laughs> but like the movie Contact, you know, uh, are you worried about getting rid of an anthill? No. Well, spacefaring entities from another planet coming here aren't going to worry about humans because we're still stuck on this rock barely barely getting to the moon with regularity barely in fact we don't so maybe there's something to say about it maybe we should be a little more concerned i certainly would only want to interact with alien life if it came with no weaponry, no hostile, uh, anything. Um, and, uh, and simply said, uh, here is a book. Uh, when you decode it, you'll know all about us. And, uh, by the time, uh, the last, well, the ships start taking off with people to return them to their, to, to show what the other planet is like, we find out that it's a cookbook called to serve man uh-huh. <laughs> it's actually it, it's a uh, it's a oh man where is it from I, I again my brain today is shutting down um i can't believe i'm running this so late uh it's twilight zone twilight doggone zone. it yeah to serve man is an episode from twilight zone which i loved um it was a great it was a great show. So anyway, I can't believe that I'm ending on that stumble, but that's what I'm doing. I am going to bring us back to the town limits of hometown.com. Here we are. And again, uh, we are continuing to enhance the site. Some more features will be coming next week. Uh, we'll be expanding some more things. Uh, hopefully you'll dig it. Uh, including the gamification will be activated and two-factor authentication will be activated. Uh, probably tomorrow will be the first test of the two-factor authentication. Uh, trying not to hobble uh, engagement on hometown.com, but uh, I need to increase security. Uh, there are no problems, but I want to make sure that everybody in hometown feels secure. So we're going to add that two-factor back. It had been disabled to increase speed and reliability but it will return tomorrow okay i mean now Unless the speed is up anyway from the redesign so. exactly and now you can change you know if you want to go 50 all you have to do is click that and it'll just refresh and have 50 article segment uh and uh, you can go to the next page super fast uh, i did put an ad at the very bottom um not for me uh but that's because uh, Google doesn't want the owners of the site from benefiting from traffic on it. So I don't clock in as traffic uh, on hometown uh, from my location uh, or anywhere actually from my device. So at any rate, uh, go and check out hometown.com. Obviously come and hang out here on Twitch. That's where I would love to see you above and beyond everything. 
but you can always go over to YouTube for long-term storage. There's all 400 plus uh, episodes of hometown daily news show over there and the podcast so that you can get it with any podcatcher you choose. Now uh, there's a discord. I don't do anything on Twitter anymore. You have anything you want to say? AI from on high. You want to just say bye. Yeah. Good night. Hometown citizens. Um, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Sunday. Sunday's fun day. All right. See you tomorrow.